Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural foods chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey, guys. This is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. All right. Welcome, everyone. It's Amy and Emily. And today we have a bit of a wrap-up episode for you. We're going to go over four simple ways to feel good about your food sources. So if you've been following along with our podcast episodes this month, we have been so fortunate to have some really awesome guests on episode 28, I interviewed Shannon Hulley, and her and I talked all about how she, as a busy mom, is able to um, shop at the farmer's market and find really awesome food at the places she's shopping. And she had some really amazing tidbits about how she makes all of that happen. And then in episode 29, Emily talked to a real-life farmer, guys. He was so awesome. His name was Noah Kellerman, and he works at a farm over in Massachusetts. And he had all kinds of cool tips around the things that we as parents can and should be paying attention to when we source our produce in particular. And I just loved some of the things he shared around introducing kids to farming because he was a kid who was introduced to farming when he was young and that really shaped his life. So that was such a cool interview. And then in episode 30, Emily and I came back together and we talked about the different ways that we pay attention to sourcing everything from produce to meat, to seafood, to dairy, to eggs. So if you have ever felt like you're standing in the grocery store and you want to be shopping better and voting with your dollars, but you don't really know how, I think that is a great episode with some really actionable things that you can do and start paying attention to. Today, as a way of wrap up, we want to share the four things that we think that anyone can do to start feeling better about their food sources, even if you are super duper busy. So I share all those past episodes just so you can hop back if there's something you want to listen to in more detail. But today, for those of you who are too busy to even listen to that, we're going to do our wrap up. So Emily, I'm super excited that we're here today together talking about this and that we have some ideas to share. Um, what was your takeaway from all of the conversations that we've had so far? And then we'll jump into the four ways to feel good about your food sources. Thanks, Amy. That was a fantastic intro. Very thorough and oh, on point. I, I can appreciate that. Um, my biggest takeaway was during my interview with Noah, where he was like, I feel that there is this major misconception that eating healthy or eating locally has to be a hardship. And I think many of us do feel kind of like as moms or dads, like just always stressed out, always worried about doing all the right things and trying to check all the boxes and how we can reroute our mindset about 
eating healthy can actually be very simple if you take some simple steps. And hopefully that's what we'll be talking about today for everybody. Um, and that it doesn't need to feel like one more big stress in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just love the idea of boiling it down to the things that matter to you and, and not allowing it to be a hardship. Absolutely. And that was one of the things that I loved from Shannon too, is that she really was talking about how being a CSA member, community supported agriculture and getting this produce box every week makes her life easier because she doesn't have to go shop for produce. But in some ways, the limitations of only having this produce that's in front of her is actually kind of a superpower as a busy mom to say like, I'm not going to go to the grocery store and look at all the options and decide what I'm going to make based on the like 8 billion recipes on Pinterest. I'm going to say, this week I have some turnips and I'm going to figure out what to make with them that will feed my family because that's what I have. And so I thought that was kind of like a running thing we had throughout is that when you shop locally, when you go through the seasonality of produce, which is something I'm not great at, truth be told, but I loved that idea of like nature and local shopping has its own natural limitations that can guide us if we really lean into that. I agree. And I think even at one point we discussed it in our interview that just sometimes it's just easier to like limit yourself for the sake of simplicity because of how overwhelming a grocery store can be. And if, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things I've always loved about the way that my husband and I eat is that the limitation makes my life simpler. Like mm-hmm. it may make it a little harder in planning at first, but once you're in a groove, you basically buy the same things. Like, yeah. you know, um, so I can appreciate that sentiment that like, well, if this is all you have, I mean, back in the day, all you had was, whatever you grew and whatever was in town and it was simple and people weren't quote unquote picky, you know? Um, So I just think sometimes we need to just simplify it for ourselves and take control and action that way. Absolutely. And I actually feel like that's a great lead in to our first tip around four simple ways to feel good about your food sources. And this one was a little bit surprising to me, truth be told, but it was a major takeaway for me, which is pay attention to food waste. So you might be thinking, what does this have to do with food sources? Um, but it actually like has so much to do with your food sourcing. So not so much where you buy it from, but how much you buy when you're buying it. Emily, what does food waste look like in your house? I'm super curious. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it, it, when I'm off my game, everything snowballs. So uh, when I'm on my game, I... I mean, I haven't done this in a while, truth be told, but I used to like kind of prep all the produce after I bought it, put it in water if it was appropriate, chop it, stick it in something sealed so it would last longer. Um, when I'm off my game, there's like cauliflower and celery and old onions in the back of my, not onions, but like green onions in the back of my fridge that just like got nasty really over like two weeks. And I'm just like, what a waste, you know? And I try to give a lot of my stuff to my chickens. I think they eat better than we do sometimes because I'm like, oh my God, all these tomatoes. I I let things go bad too fast because I just am trying to keep it simple. And I grab the first thing in my fridge that I see and it's usually healthy, but there's food waste. And when you brought that up, I'm like, you know what? I do need to be way better at that and just be like, no, I'm making the cauliflower tonight instead of the rice or whatever. Um, So it's inspired me to be a little more careful and 
and it does feel awful when I put it in the garbage. I'm like, oh my gosh, what a waste. Um, Completely. I, I so resonate with that because I think that this food waste issue that so many parents have is actually a problem of abundance, meaning we have access to so many things um, in this like modern age of going to the grocery store and buying things. And um, many of us are fortunate to have generous food budgets to feed our family or, you know, generous enough, generous compared to what other folks might have, right? And so it can feel a little bit like, oh, I'll just, you know, get this cauliflower in case I get around to it instead of being really kind of like conscientious and careful about purchasing. And I'm speaking for myself in this sentence as much as I'm speaking for anyone else. And having these conversations about really careful sourcing of food, meaning thinking about where it comes from and who's grown it and how it was produced or caught or raised or any of those things, that feels like it ties so seamlessly to this food waste issue in that when you are connected to your food and where it came from, and by the way, it probably costs a little bit more, which is just true, um, that food waste becomes harder to digest, right? And so to me, this became one of the tips about food sourcing because it's so interconnected is like the more thoughtful we can be about how everything comes together, the more thoughtful we might be about the end result, which is like, dang it, someone took all this time to grow that food and now I just put it in the compost bin, which is better than other places it could go, but the same result nonetheless. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And before we move on to like the second tip, I think there's two um, sort of specific takeaways with the food waste, which is one, um, you can share food with your neighbors or your friends or your preschool moms or whatever and be like, this is, I'm not going to get to eat this. At least I can Mm -hmm. give it to someone else and maybe kind of get in this little habit of being like, hey, do you need any more tomatoes? I have way too many. Or um, bartering, like if someone's growing something and you're growing something and you're like, I have basil, you have tomatoes, let's swap and we can both have, you know, so, like some sauce or whatever. Um, getting a little more resourceful, it it can really pay off for everybody. And um, it comes full circle always when you share. So I think those are some ways to avoid food waste that isn't just about food and prep or mm-hmm. buying, maybe buying frozen if you think I like me, I need to just buy frozen cauliflower because I keep buying fresh cauliflower and letting it go bad. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I love those tips around sharing. And I also think you can sort of think of yourself and your own family in that ecosystem as well. In that for me, one of the things that I like try to do a lot of is if I'm not going to get to this and it's something that is freezable, I just throw it in the freezer for the future. So I'll give you an example. Last week, I made this really awesome Thai peanut sauce, which I can share a link to the recipe in the show notes at averyfullplate.com slash 31, but this awesome Thai peanut sauce. And then we were going out of town. And before having these conversations, I know that sounds kind of cliched, but I I probably would have just left it in my fridge and been like, I'll deal with this when I get home. But I was like, you know, I, I don't want this to go to waste. It's not good for the earth and it's not good for us. And by the way, I did all this work to make this and it was super delicious. And I'm going to be bummed if it's gone bad before I get back to it to feed my family with it. And so I just threw it in some silicone ice cube trays in like individual serving sizes, put it in the freezer and then transferred it to a Ziploc bag in my freezer. So now we're back from vacation and I could make like a bowl of brown rice and some 
even like frozen stir-fried vegetables or better yet some, you know, stir-fried vegetables from my farmer's market if I were that on top of it, throw the peanut sauce on top and it's a complete meal, right? So I think we often like forget our own resources and the things that were created for us in cutting down on food waste, which is one, buying less, two, sharing if we have too much, and then three, saving for the future in the ways we have available to us. And the freezer is just like such an easy kind of no-brainer way to do that for people who are feeling a little bit lost on where to get started. I love that. I love that idea. I just, I need to get some silicone um, trays because what a good idea. I'll share some pictures on Facebook because I also did it with rice. Like I had a bunch of sprouted brown rice that I had cooked, same for the peanut bowls. And I was like, these aren't going to, this isn't going to be good anymore. By the way, most things only keep in the fridge for like three to four days. There are exceptions to that, but people are always asking. And I was like, we're going to be gone. I need to do something. So I had seen someone take silicone muffin trays and freeze portions of rice in there. And then once they're frozen, you pop them out and put them in a bag. And I was like, that is ingenious because then you just take a block of that out and like throw it in a pan or throw it in your microwave or whatever it is that works for you, or even just let it defrost in your fridge and it's there and available to you. And you didn't have to spend time cooking it, which is like, you know, an easy no-brainer selling point for all of us busy parents listening. Yeah, and I have a question about that. Do you yeah. does it does it have a cover? Like does it just freeze like ice in the top or Oh, so I only like, I kind of freeze it until the point of it being frozen enough in the shape. And then I throw it into like a Ziploc bag or a mason. Ah, okay. So like you, you so kind of almost like, there. it's almost like you're flash freezing. I mean, you're not, but like totally. the way you would a berry, like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. By the way, that's what uh, like people who make frozen vegetables are doing, right? Like they're taking all of it and laying it out like really flat and separated and flash freezing it. And then they put it into a bag once it's already flash frozen individually so that you don't end up with a block like most of us do at home. So I'm just sort of like replicating that in my own like very small stage. I have like one small freezer. I don't have anything fancy that nobody else has, right? Um, but it's a really easy way to cut down on food yeah. waste, especially like we were going back to our thesis statement, like especially when you bought really good food that you don't want to go to waste and that someone spent a lot of time on, right? And then you spend a lot of time on. So... Which is the perfect segue into our second tip, um, which is knowing your producers um, and knowing where you're purchasing from. And um, like you said, someone took a lot of time, right? So who was that someone? And whether it's your produce, it's a farmer, it's, um, you know, your friend that's growing it, or it's a butcher, like knowing where your producers come from and sort of that voting with your dollar concept, Yeah. I love this one so much because I also love it as a parent. Like I'm just thinking through as you're talking the the idea of what if my kids knew who raised the chickens that laid our eggs? Like what that might those conversations, how might that impact the conversations that we have in the kitchen and how they feel about the food? And Noah talked a lot about this, like the space he's created for families to connect and kids to connect with each other, but also to maybe unknowingly connect with the food when they're at his farm picking up the CSA. And this is something I haven't been great about in Seattle, but I felt really inspired by based on our conversations to do a better job of not just knowing who produces our food, but also like how they produce it. I think there's something really powerful about understanding some of the backstory 
behind it that also ties back to number one, which is like, you want to waste it less when you realize that like someone put blood, sweat and literal tears into making this thing that your family is eating. I agree. And, um, I do think like even my friends who have gardens, my kids who can sometimes be very specific about what they'll eat, they see their friends go and like pick a cherry tomato out of the garden. They might be like, Oh, that's really cool. And then just all that part of the education of where the food comes from. I just think it's, we're so, um, we're not tethered enough to it. And so I think knowing your producers is a really good influence on your kids. It could inspire them to do something that maybe you don't have the energy for, you know, maybe they want to have their own garden as they get older. So sort of cultivating that interest in it and appreciation for it. And, um, we did talk a lot about like the seasonal eating. And I just liked his idea, Noah's idea of like the excitement of the first apple, the excitement of the berries, like all that, um, really helps the children understand and appreciate their food more. Absolutely. And all of us, right? Like I'm just as guilty as my kids of being like, well, it's the middle of winter, but we'll have some berries or like, it's the middle of summer. Let's have some apples. And it's only through conversations with really knowledgeable, knowledgeable people, Shannon included, who's like, you know, those apples have been stored for just like a year now. Right. And that's fine. It's the reality of our system. And, and, it's great that apples can be stored in cold storage for so long. I don't know, technically a year, but they're stored for a long time, right? Um, but it just makes you think. And when you, yeah. I think it's like when you know more, then you can appreciate more when it is really in season and also realize like there's not some magical system that grows things at different times. It only feels magical because we're so separated from it. Yeah, I agree with you. 100%. And I, I actually feel like that's the perfect segue into tip number three, which is to grow one thing that your family eats a lot of. So Noah talked about this and I thought he made it so simple because truth be told to everyone listening, I have the blackest thumb, maybe not in the world, but I have a really black thumb, which is endlessly frustrating because I love food so much. And I'm like, I'll just grow some herbs or like I'll grow some tomatoes or I tried to grow strawberries this year and then I forget about it and I get distracted and they rarely come to fruition. But he made it feel so easy. He was like, just grow some herbs on your windowsill. And I love that idea that this like, if this farmer can make it sound so easy and is like, so make it so accessible, then I should be able to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. I um, I like the idea of just you know, if you guys don't eat kale, don't be like, I'm going to grow kale this year. Like if you just Mm -hmm. don't have any interest in it, you never use it, whatever. Instead be like, you know what? I love basil. I'm just going to grow basil. There you go. You have a great relationship with the plant. You're going to use it. It's going to thrive because you're going to actually care to keep, to take care of it. Yes. Um, whereas if it's something you like, don't even really love, or it's super bitter, or the kids refuse to eat it. I mean, why or you're not going to go out there and just prune it all the time. <laughs> um, whereas if it's something you love, then you're going to take care of it like your children. You know. <laughs> and I think also I have, I'm 100% guilty of being like, I'm going to grow something. So now I'll grow 10 things and maybe being like a little bit overzealous in my decision to jump into the growing food 
space, which is something I'm guilty of in general, truth be told. But I, um, I loved this idea of just like pick one thing that your family loves and that you're really going to get into and that you guys are going to be excited about and wait for and sort of like indulge in the practice of that and make yourself successful at it. Right. But I think it's also so much bigger than that is like being connected to the process of like putting a seed in dirt and seeing what happens next and then seeing what happens next. And even if it doesn't work, understanding that the people who grow our food, they have that on like a 1000 X scale all throughout the seasons. And so when we go into Whole Foods and are like, um, ugh, they don't have any cilantro today. And I've totally been that person. Like, <laughs> I'll be like, excuse me, Mr. Like person working at Trader Joe's, like, do you have any cilantro? And they're like, no, I'm sorry. I don't have it today. And I'll get so annoyed because I think, oh, they didn't order it. And there have been a few times where I've realized afterwards, either someone has explained it to me or I've read something where I'm like, oh, it's actually like there was a problem with cilantro growing this year. And it's a much bigger problem than like somebody forgot to order or the truck didn't show up. And I think that that's like the really cool thing about growing things, even if they don't actually grow, is that connection to the system and back to the producers who are dealing with that system unbeknownst to us when we eat our carrots. Yes, I agree. And I often bite off more than I can chew. And I'm like, I've got this really complicated garden and I have no idea what I'm doing. And by August, I'm like, all I have is zucchinis and the rest are dead. I don't know <laughs> what happened. And I didn't touch anything and I barely watered it. So I did like that Noah said, like, listen, soil and earth is very forgiving, but you do need to constantly attend to it. And you can mm-hmm. kind of, eventually you can see when something's wrong. You recognize it quickly. You look at it enough, you recognize something's wrong. Um but I agree, like, it's back to that respect of the growing process when you're like, I can't even get three red peppers to grow in my garden. <laughs> and then you're buying them every week, you know, for whatever price. And you're like, for me, I'd rather buy red peppers because I cannot grow them for the life yeah. of me. Yeah. But, some, you but I need a bunch of money trying, right? <laughs> you're like, wow, these are the most expensive peppers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time and money. And then, and then I think, I'm thinking, Amy, your family should definitely grow cherry tomatoes because it sounds like you guys annihilate those. Yes, yes. We're going to grow <laughs> cherry tomatoes this summer. Now that we're like, you know, here <laughs> and not maybe all over the world, I, I think cherry tomatoes are in order. And when we grew them last time, we had like one, a total abundance and two, Gavin would just go out there and chow on them all the time. So I'm really looking forward to when it is not super cold and frosty outside, getting some cherry tomatoes in the ground and enjoying those this summer when it warms up. Awesome. So I think let's wrap up with tip number four which is basically like find products that you love and um, appreciate for the way that they were sourced that are already at the stores and shops and places that you go. Either they're very convenient or you already shop there. I know that I, um, like we talked about the Kerrygold butter. That's a really great example for me because I feel very confident that they are sourcing it the way that I want. And um, I would provide a little caution there that sometimes big box you know, big box stores or big companies will buy out some organic company. And then it's like, Oh, how do you feel about it? But at the same time, there's usually some pretty good brands out there that you can just stay brand loyal to. And then it just simplifies your life and you can kind of hone in on them at the store. A hundred percent. This goes exactly back to what you're talking about at the beginning, which is like, sometimes your limitations are like your greatest superpower in terms of being like, 
I just buy the same thing every week. I don't need some fancy new recipe. I don't need to scour the ends of the internet for something new and interesting. This is what we eat. And we gave a lot of things that require a little bit of attention, things like reducing your food waste and getting to know your producers and growing one thing that your family eats. And that can feel like a lot for those of us who are already overloaded. I'm raising my hand since this is audio, but I'm totally raising my hand because I'm like completely overloaded. And I think it's really important to be honest with ourselves and say like, maybe I can't do any of those other things right now, but you're already shopping at Costco or Trader Joe's or maybe even Target. And the cool thing about what's going on right now in terms of food availability is that there are great brands, so many places, and everywhere is trying to compete with each other. And so the bar has really been raised. And so I trust that there are awesome things you can find almost anywhere that you're shopping, but it takes just like a tiny bit of pre-work. So you were talking about like Kerrygold. I talked about the Vital Farms pastured eggs on our last conversation. What I forgot to mention is I've actually seen those eggs, the non-organic ones at Target. So yeah, yeah, those, those are a great, those are a great one. Like Vital hello, Farms. so Vital Farms pastured eggs available at Target when you're walking through the aisles there. Um, definitely, I think we talked about Stonyfield yogurt. I've seen that everywhere, right? So if you can just pick a few things and what I would encourage folks to do and what I'm com- committed to personally is finding the main things that I buy. So like eggs are a staple in our house. We buy them every week. Find the main thing that you buy. Do like a little bit of research into what a good option is where you're like finding that intersection between like well-grown, well-fed, well-treated, but also a price point that you can swallow and be like, this is the brand that I buy because I feel good about it from, from those aspects. And then just go with it. Like stop thinking about it, right? And I, I mentioned also, and I'll post on our Facebook page, Real Food Talk with Real Parents, the tuna that I buy from Costco. Like, I don't worry about tuna anywhere else because I just go buy six cans of it in one big thing when I'm at Costco. It's like a price that I can swallow. And I know that it was caught in the right ways and from the right places. And then I move on with my life, right? And it's like not an extra thing to add to the list. So there are some really simple ways to do this sourcing stuff too that doesn't involve adding another stop or research or I don't know, thought to your life once you've done it. And I will say we've talked a lot about um, how this is like my one passion. So one thing that I will do is I follow some podcasts and I follow some people on Facebook and who I really, truly trust to be the ones who will vet out stuff. Like I'm sure there are a lot of people who trust you to vet out stuff um, in your, um, your group of um, cooking healthy with full plate. Um, but um, I have those people and I'll sometimes go look on their page and just be like, what brands are they buying? Because mm-hmm. I know that they also do the research. So it's almost like a second, like if you're a his- history person, it's like the secondary resource. Like, okay, I don't know personally, but I know that this woman that I follow who I know has like a major you know, autoimmune thing. I know she's not going to buy anything that isn't awesome. So sometimes I'll just go, what is she buying for meat? Or what is she buying for, um, you know, spices? And then I'll be like, okay, I trust this person as like my spokesperson for that. (laughs) So sometimes that's another way to do it is like, I don't know where to start. So you just kind of find some people that you, 
they have the same values and then you can kind of look at what they're shopping for. Totally. I think that's such an awesome use case for social media. And I would caution like the one thing, which is like this trend to, there's some people I follow on Instagram who like make a smoothie that has 35 ingredients and then they've like hashtag and tagged every single thing that went into it. And I would tell you, those are probably really great brands and it doesn't have to be so freaking complicated. Like in the monetization of social media, people are apt to like include everything because they want sponsorship for everyone or maybe everyone has sent them something that they're going to use, right? And so it's like a solid dose of common sense to say like, yeah, those collagen protein, that collagen protein is probably pretty great because I know and trust this person and maybe I don't need to pair it with all the other most expensive ingredients on the face of the earth to be healthy. So that's my caveat. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, most smoothies can like be simple. Like it could be like almond milk, kale, a half a banana, and maybe, um, I don't know, an avocado and you're done. Like, or or the proteins and water and kale and something sweet, like four ingredients max, because who has time for that? Totally. And like, I think, you know, then you but but by following those folks, you do have exposure to things like, you know, the vital proteins, collagen protein, which is a product I've tried and really like, right? So it's like, I think there's like lots of awesome stuff out there. Just don't get tra- caught in the comparison trap of like, well, if my smoothie doesn't have 350 ingredients of the most awesome things, then I'm failing. Um, that's just my, I'll step down from my soapbox now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> cool. So I'm just going to, by way of wrap up, remind you of the four um, simple ways that we shared to feel good about your food sources. So the first is pay attention to food waste. The second, get to know your producers. The third, grow one thing that your family eats a lot of. And the fourth would be find products you feel good about at the places you already shop. So hopefully there's at least one thing in there that you feel like you can like jump on and get dialed so that you can honestly just stop thinking about it after that. That's always my goal. Like get this so dialed that I don't have to think about it anymore. I love it. I think those are all really good takeaways and something I'm going to go do at the grocery store just now. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we'll let you guys all get to shopping. Next month, we're going to be talking all about non-toxic products and how to bring less toxic things into your home, everything from beauty products to cleaning products and the things that show up in your food. So I'm super excited about those conversations. I know Emily, you are as well. And we have some really cool guests coming up. So we hope that you will tune in next week as we start talking more about how to go non-toxic. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening.